What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sofa Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Jewell. Joined today with Alex Putnam. Alex, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? Doing good. I'm excited to talk with you. We haven't talked football in a while. We talked a little commanders in the preseason, and now we're like halfway through the season, which feels crazy. feels like the season's going by so fast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about all that led up to the trade deadline. Now it has passed. Some of the big moves that were made. And some people have gotten fired. Head coaches have gotten fired already. So let's just get right into it. We're going to start off with the trade deadline stuff. But you texted me this morning some breaking news last night. And I wanted to do a segment about which head coach is going to get fired first. But here we are. Josh McDaniels gets fired as the Raiders sit at 3-5. and five. They have like superstars on their team. Like overall, I feel like their roster isn't awful. They also fired their GM, Dave. I know I'm going to say this wrong. Ziegler, I believe is how it is pronounced, as well as their offensive coordinator. So it's crazy what's happening. Did you expect the Raiders to be the first one to fire their head coach? Some of the other names I kind of expected were Ron Rivera, maybe Brandon Staley. But were you surprised to see this when you woke up this morning? I was surprised to see it happen, uh, especially considering that the Raiders are three and five right now. Uh, I definitely believe that Ron was going to be the first to get fired, but <laughs> I believe after we lost a few key pieces, which we'll get into in a few minutes, um, I, I think it makes sense that Ron would end up staying through the rest of the season and we'll just address those changes in the off season. Like I said, we'll get more into that afterwards. I think that ends up being the right call for the commanders. Um, but yeah, I, considering that the Raiders are stacked with as much talent as they are, you got to know that the issues are coming from the front office. You know, it all starts with the coach, but then you have your GM as well. Offensive efficiency has been in the dumps to say the least. So it makes sense to get rid of all these guys. Uh, you just don't necessarily expect them all at the same time either. Um, not really sure who's going to be running the team now, but um, you know, I guess that's a problem for them to figure out. And I guess they really are probably trying to, join the uh join the bandwagon for tank and for caleb yeah somebody's gonna get him i am very surprised i mean speaking about quarterbacks it looks like they're gonna start rookie quarterback aiden o'connell in week nine they play the giants which they could beat the giants and be four and five which isn't awful i mean it's crazy to say there's still a chance they could sneak into the wild card we're only halfway through the season but you know they signed jimmy g in the offseason contract was worth over 70 million they signed Devonte adams big contract they re-signed Josh Jacobs again, and he hasn't looked good. The offense has looked good. I don't know if you saw the game, their last game, but Jimmy G had Devontae open like several times, and he just completely missed him. Like The quarterback situation seems to be really bad. Nobody seems to be happy with Josh McDaniels in there. It just seems like everything has been going wrong for the Raiders, and they still have three wins, which is better than a couple teams in the league. Absolutely. But again, you look at it, Josh McDaniels, as a head coach, has not done well. He had that short stint in uh, in Denver in 2009, going into the 2010 season. Uh, he played 28, or he coached 28 games for them, went 11 and 17. He also got fired about halfway through the season. Um, so you know, history repeats itself, happening again. Another one of the Belichick coaches that just couldn't quite make it as a head coach. Um, but you know, he still has something to offer, just probably not as a head coach, and definitely not in Vegas. Yeah, maybe just like an offensive coordinator position or 
a wide receiver coach or something would be better, easier for him. I I don't know. You're right. I guess. So the new head coach, Antonio Pierce, the new interim head coach, the new general manager, Champ Kelly, which I've never heard of him before. And a crazy thing that I don't think it's talked about a lot is he will continue to get paid. I believe his contract was $60 million. And so he'll still get some money, even though he got fired. And I, I heard on a podcast that they're still paying John Gruden. They had to fire him as well. So it seems like a lot of money's get getting wasted right now on head coaches. So I assume that the season will continue to just derail and they'll bring in a new guy next season, but it is tough to tell. And while we're talking about coaches getting fired, one that's been feels like on the hot seat basically all season is Brandon Staley. The Chargers are supposed to be a super dominant team competing for Super Bowls. They signed Justin Herbert to a massive contract, but their defense has looked so bad this entire season, really. And Brandon Staley's supposed to be a defensive guy, so he's still got his job. Yeah, and Brandon Staley being another coach that could potentially be on the hot seat. You know, I feel like Brandon Staley has had a really up-and-down coaching career so far with the Chargers. Um, you know, came in as a heavily driven analytics guy. Uh but you, you've seen him kind of steer away from that recently. It seems like he's second-guessing some of his fourth and two, fourth and three decisions that, you know, he was notorious for going for. Um, and, you know, I really feel like he needs to, you know, stick with the analytics or completely ditch him. You can't keep going back and forth. You know, it, it comes across as, you know, you're not trusting yourself. And as the leader of the team, you, you got to be very vindictive with your decisions. And you got to know what you want to do. So... Hopefully we can see him get it right. I'm a big Justin Herbert fan, so I'd love to see him do well. You have the talent there, but it just seems to be there's always something holding the Chargers back. And everybody knows there's nobody that can blow a lead quite like the Chargers, unless you're the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that was the other thing that I was thinking. Brandon Staley easily could have been fired last season after they were up 27 to nothing in the playoffs against the Jaguars. They end up losing 31 to 30. They keep him. And they're when you look at their defense, they have so many big names. They have Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Kenneth Murray, which was a linebacker drafted in the first round, Derwin James, Asante Samuel. It feels like they should have a pretty good defense just on paper. And obviously their offense is fantastic on paper. So it's just surprising that they haven't been able to get this to to work out. And for them to be one of the top teams in the AFC if not the entire NFL. Agreed. Especially it doesn't help when every Chargers home game feels like an away game because they just have no fans that show up to their games. You got way too much going on in L.A. already. And then the other name we mentioned, Ron Rivera, your head coach. They bring in Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. They're sitting here to three and five. Not too bad. Not all, Not awful. Not great. They have a lot of big names, and they just haven't been able to fully put it together. I think that Sam Howe is playing very well. What he threw for almost 400 yards in the last game. The offense seems to be doing a lot of good things, but Mm -hmm. they just have fallen up a little bit short. They play the Eagles really tough both times. I believe that they lost two games this season already to the Eagles. Your thoughts on Ron Rivera and maybe where this situation will go, whether it's now in the offseason. What do you think? Yeah, I think looking at the coaching staff as a whole, I mean, obviously it starts at the top. So Ron was hired initially to come in and stabilize the franchise. He came in at a time where there was 
nothing but turmoil, drama, uh, you know, legal issues going on with Dan Snyder. So he came in and did a great job of just adding some stability to the team. However, he is not doing anything to help the team move forward now that we're under new ownership, now that we have all that drama behind us. Um, you know, I, I don't believe that Ron has what it takes to take the Washington Commanders to the playoffs and have any type of meaningful run in the playoffs, uh, especially under a new regime, new owner, Josh Harris. Uh, you know, Josh is going to want to get his own guys in here. And it all started with bringing in Eric Bieniemy, right? So, um, like you said, Sam Howell had a great game. He's been stringing together quite a few good games. Uh, you know, we've seen some rocky patches, but I think a lot of that has to do with Eric Bieniemy coming in and he has to figure out his personnel now. You know, it's hard going from Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and a Super Bowl winning team to what we have in Washington. So I believe that as the season continues to progress, the offense will continue to look better. The scary thing is our defense is wildly underperforming. So we have a minus 57 point differential, which is the bottom five in the league. Now with people like Chase Young, Montez Sweat, we have Cam Curl, you have Jamin Davis, who's in his, second year now I believe you've got these players on the team that really should be out there making a difference and helping to keep the other teams from running up the score and we just we can't make a stop and that's crazy to think when you have a defensive minded head coach in Ron and Jack Del Rio as the DC who used to be a head coach himself so I really believe especially Ron's demeanor over the last few weeks has really changed he seems like he already knows that his fate is sealed. He is not going to be in Washington next year. However, with the departures of Chase Young and Montez Sweat now, I, I think he's just going to have to ride it out for the rest of the year, and Josh will address those changes as he sees fit during the offseason. Yeah, it's kind of, when you say it like that, it, it's kind of like a very similar situation to what we're talking about with the Chargers, the defense should be really good, but they're second to last in opponent points per game. They have some big names on the defense, and you expect Ron to be able to get that defense going a little bit, and it just kind of feels like maybe he's lost it a little bit. He's had a great coaching career, and maybe this is kind of when it comes to an end, and you know he does, he does something else. He does something in the front office. He's a, a coordinator. I don't know, but it feels like he's kind of lost it a little bit. And perfect segue into the trade deadline. The trade deadline ended on Tuesday at 4 o'clock, and the commanders were big sellers. I was a little bit surprised to see Chase Young and Montez Sweat both leave Chase Young to the 49ers for a third-round pick, Sweat to the Bears for a second-round pick. When I look at the commander's defense, the backbone, the best part, the strongest part of the defense is the defensive line. They shipped two guys away. I think it's pretty clear that they're rebuilding for next year. Josh Harris, whoever is the new head coaches, they want to get new guys in. They want to get their guys in. And I believe both of these guys were going into the final year of their deal as a commander's fan and maybe just a general football fan to ship both of these guys away. Were you surprised to see both of these guys leave right before the trade deadline? Surprised, yes. I don't think it was the most surprising thing, though. Both of them are in the last year of their contracts completely understand you want to 
you know, get rid of them now while they still have some value and while you can still get something for them because at the end of the day, we were never going to be able to keep both of them. Market value for Montez Sweat right now is looking close to $25 million a year, 20 to $25 million a year. And then Chase Young being a second overall pick a few years ago, you know, has had some injuries throughout the first couple years, but, you know, has been stringing together a pretty good 2023 campaign thus far. For sure. Um, you know, you want to want to go ahead and just get some value out of it while you can right um so montez sweat went first to the bears got a second round pick was happy with that if i had to see one of them go i would have preferred it to be chase not that i didn't love chase as a player while he was with us um just you know the injuries are definitely concerning whereas montez sweat has proven to be much more available and ready to go throughout the course of his tenure uh, with Washington. Definitely when I saw Chase go and then saw that he only went for a third round pick, that was a bit confusing. I'm sure that the uh, Bears felt like they got fleeced as well, knowing that they had to pay a pretty much a first round pick. I mean, it's the second pick of the second round, I believe, for Montez Sweat. Granted, still a great player. Um, but then when you see Chase Young go just a few hours later for a third round pick from a, you know, at the beginning of the season, what was a, you know, a strong Super Bowl contender and very well still maybe, um, that's all they had to pay for Chase Young. You know, I'm sure that they didn't feel too great about that. But I think as a Commanders fan, you have to kind of be excited. The NFL has always very much been a, you know, let's win now league because from top to bottom in the organization, every person, is always playing for their job. You never know when you're going to be replaced, whether it's the GM, head coach, quarterback, linebacker. It doesn't matter. Everybody's always out there playing for their role. Uh, it's why you really never see anybody tanking in the NFL because they know that their jobs, you know, there is no job security in the NFL. So it's refreshing for Washington uh, and really just the league as a whole to see a team that's really willing to play for the future and, you know, be willing to sacrifice a season knowing that it's only going to set you up for future success. So I think Josh Harris made a great move by, you know, offloading what would be some really big contracts. While it, you know, is a step back for us right now, it's setting us up for a lot of success in the future. Right now we have a first round pick, two second round picks and two third round picks in the upcoming draft. So We'll be able to get a lot of young talent in, a lot of really cheap contracts, which also allows us to go out and make potential big uh, acquisitions and free agency during the offseason. I believe right now Washington has the third most cap space going into the offseason right now. So I would definitely expect to see a lot more big moves from Washington in the upcoming offseason. I mean, I, I think it's a smart play. I was thinking about it last week, and the commanders were teams that I said maybe should be sellers. I thought that the Raiders should be, the Panthers should be, some of these teams that have zero or one or maybe even two wins. But to see the commanders being the biggest seller was a little bit surprising. Even the Broncos, I thought, could realistically be sellers and try to rebuild for the future. Um, I mean, you guys still have good depth on the defensive line, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and then... At defensive back, Kendall Fuller, pretty solid. And then if you could just get some better production from Emmanuel Forbes, he's been a little bit of a disappointment. And then all these draft picks, like you said, I mean, it could be 
trust the process. You texted me that, you know, just building towards the future, get some young guys in a lot of cap space, make some moves. So it might be a good, a good strategy that I think some other teams, like I just noted, should have considered to deal some players off before the trade deadline, especially these guys that are in the last year of their contract. Are you going to realistically re-sign both of them? Maybe even none of them. So why not get some good draft picks, second and a third? That's good depth for the future. So I, I don't hate the play, but I think that the commanders have a really good offense. So build up that defense maybe with these picks and we'll see. The commanders are in a very tough division. So it's going to be important. These draft picks are going to be very valuable, I think. Agreed. And I think that, um, you know, another piece that kind of hammers home this narrative that Ron will not be returning next season. Ron is a notoriously horrible drafter. He uh, pretty much all the stars on Washington's team right now are all from the previous regime. Uh, he has drafted Jamin Davis and Emmanuel Forbes as the two most recent examples. Uh, Terry McLaurin was prior to Ron. Chase was prior to Ron, I believe. So, you know, all of our best players did not come from Ron. Um, so if you're stacking up on all these draft picks, you have to assume someone else is going to be picking the players other outside of Ron. For sure. I don't even know who your GM is, but new head coach, new GM, figure out what you want to do, figure out the scheme, figure out what kind of players you want to bring in. And the next couple of years are going to be pivotal to a successful rebuild. I mean, you got some good players already. And like we said, Sam Howe, I think, is a quarterback that you can build around. He's already got some great weapons, so we'll see. It's a tough division, but I think that there's some potential here. I Overall, I, I like the moves. I wish that you could have got maybe a second round for Chase Young and the second round for Sweat, but a lot of draft picks coming in the next year, so it's going to be fun to see what they do with that. And it's got to be encouraging that you have a new owner as opposed to doing this with Dan Snyder. There's a lot of optimism coming already. So to be able to do this, I think that it's just a good trajectory for the commanders, and we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of years for sure. Any final thoughts on the commanders dealing these guys before the trade deadline? Nope, just you know, really excited to see where we go in the offseason. We're pretty much throwing in the towel now with uh, Ron being pretty mentally checked out of this season. Um, you know, I think it's a great chance for Eric to continue to – master the offense in Washington, really help continue to, to develop Sam Howell and, uh, you know, hopefully get a fresh start next season. My uh, my take from my uh, previous appearance on the podcast did not age quite well, but uh, but I'm okay with that. Well, my take about the Giants being the worst in the division did age well. The Commanders still have the Giants one time. They have a couple of divisional games. Maybe they could get to like eight and nine or something like that. Um, I think, like I said, I think that they still have a good roster and it'll be fun to at least watch Sam Howe throughout the rest of the season and see how he improves and maybe be enemy 2024 as your new head coach. I think, I think that that would be a great move for you guys. Agreed. I, I would just like to lose a lot of close games so we can have a good, uh, good draft pick. <laughs> fair enough. I, fair enough. Speaking about the commanders, one of your former players Kirk Cousins last weekend unfortunately so many injuries have been happening he unfortunately tears his Achilles and then before the trade deadline they go out and get Joshua Dobbs who is traded again he was traded at the beginning of the season from the Browns to the Cardinals now it looks like Kyler's going to come back and play so I guess the Cardinals felt like he was expendable 
So they get Josh Dobbs. Thoughts on Kirk being in his final year of his deal. You got to see him up close. There's that viral moment that he comes out and he says, you like that into the camera. That moment will, I think. You like that? (laughs) I think that that'll just be cemented in history forever. And that'll always follow Kirk. But I mean, what are your thoughts about him going into his final year of his deal? This happening. They start, he's playing really good this season. He's got it thrown for a ton of yards, a ton of touchdowns, and he kind of gets them back to playoff contention. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, you hate to see that for Kirk. I feel like Kirk has got to be one of, if not the most likable guy in the NFL. So, you know, you really hate to see that, especially going into the last year of the contract. Terrible timing for him. I, I do not see him returning to Minnesota. However, I'm sure that there will be a team out there that wants to pick him up. Um, you know, whether it's the Raiders, if the Raiders don't want to trade up in the draft to try to get their next quarterback, um, you know, that could be a potential landing spot. Even somebody like the uh, like the 49ers, they have plenty of cap space somehow, even though they have a stacked roster. Um, you know, you could see somebody like the 49ers go out if, you know, Brock Purdy doesn't pan out. You know, he's been on a cold streak the last few weeks, um, not looking very great. So, uh, you know, I am still optimistic that he will find a new home somewhere else. Uh, I just, I, I really don't see it being with Minnesota. You know, hopefully uh, he has a good speedy recovery. Aaron Rodgers went out with the same injury, and he seems to be uh, progressing great thus far during his rehab. Um, you know, hopefully he makes a return before the end of the season. But, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a tough watch watching that injury. But yeah, all the best for him going forward. I just, I, I don't see it being with the Vikings. Yeah, I don't really either. That would be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously he's a little bit younger than Aaron Rodgers, but he's still 35, 36. He's getting up there. He played great this season. So what's the contract going to look like? Who's going to want to take on this? I, I, I don't know. It's just tough to tell because you don't know what kind of form he's going to come back into after this injury. I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this quarterback situation plays out with the Vikings. They, before Kirk Cousins' injury, they're second in pass yards per game. He was slinging it so well. They weren't getting a lot of production out the run game. It was kind of all on him. They got back, I believe they were like one and three. Now they're sitting there at four and four, kind of getting a chance to, a chance back at taking over the division. The Lions sitting at six and two. So I don't know, but do you think that, let's say Josh Dobbs comes in here and he wins the starting job, do you think that there's any chance that he could, continue what they've been doing and winning games and maybe take them to the playoffs. I I don't see it. Uh, I think Josh Dobbs is a great backup quarterback. I don't think he has what it takes to be a starter and especially not to lead a team to the playoffs. You know, I, I think with their lack of a running game, um, you know, you've got some great talent with Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson at receiver. But that'll that'll only get you so far. You still have to have, you know, a, a lot of it comes down to not necessarily arm talent, but a lot of, you know, mental processing and decision making. Um, granted, he's still young, so he can still definitely develop. But I, I just haven't seen it thus far with his time uh, starting in Arizona. Uh, and I don't really see that changing at all going forward with uh with the vikings i'm surprised that the vikings also didn't maybe shoot for somebody else um you you know i know that 
Jacoby Brissett from Washington was a, you know, a quarterback that's proven that he's been able to go in and, you know, be a sound starting quarterback. Uh, he was also one of the names from Washington that was on the trade block, but, you know, I'm surprised that they settled for somebody like Josh Dobbs. I understand it was probably convenient timing with Kyler Murray coming off of IR, so he should be ready to go either this week or next week. Um, just an interesting move on their part. Seems like it was maybe like a last second, you know, kind of panic rush decision, which makes sense. You don't foresee Kirk, you know, having a season ending injury. Um, but I feel like they could have potentially found somebody better. For that price, though, I'm not sure. They really didn't have to give up anything at all for Josh. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that, to be honest, because what was it, I think? Uh... I think they swapped a sixth and a seventh and then threw in Josh. Yeah, so really not giving up much. I feel like Josh Dobbs has played fine this season, but then he, if you look at it, he's like one and six, one and seven. So his big win coming against the Cowboys, which was a massive win for the Cardinals, but he just hasn't been able to get the job done. So it'll be interesting to see, like, if he does come in here, does he play? Does he Is he number two? I'm not really sure, but it's just got to be so deflating for Vikings fans. Just a whirlwind of a season. Started off so bad, and now it was getting better. Kirk, potential, I mean, he's playing at almost an MVP level. Justin Jefferson gets hurt. Who knows if he'll come back if the season goes downhill. Just a lot of things to consider. And, yeah, I hope Kirk comes back full strength. Hope he goes to a team that they can contend because he was playing so well this season. But I, I do agree. I do not see him coming back to the Vikings. So we will see. A lot of trades, though, happened before the deadline. Those were just a couple of them. Which one was the most surprising to you? I got a little bit of a list here between Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Leonard Williams goes to Seattle, Kevin Byard happened to Philly a little bit before the trade deadline, Josh Dobbs to Minnesota, as we just talked about, Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver from Cleveland, goes to Detroit. A couple more trades in there as well. Any of those stick out to you and you were just like, really? That's crazy. I'd say the winner of the trade deadline has probably got to be the Eagles. Picking up Kevin Byer, they get a veteran in their secondary, which was the weak point of their defense. I think that really helps to solidify, you know, what is already a very prominent defensive unit in, uh, in Philadelphia. Um, but adding that veteran leadership to the secondary, I, I, I think, will help them a lot more than how it would seem on paper. Uh, when it comes to a surprise, I would have to go with um, Detroit picking up DPJ. You know, I, I think he's a fine third or fourth option at receiver. Um, just didn't necessarily feel like it was a giant need for the Lions at, the, at, at this point in time. I'm not 100% sure on what the details of that trade were, what exactly it was that they gave up. Regardless, I don't think that they had to give up much for DPJ. However, you already have Amon Ross St. Brown. You have Jamison Williams. I, I think you have some core receivers to build around, especially the emergence of you know the rookie Sam Laporta. Uh, he's been doing great so far this, this year. So, uh, you know, we'll see how he does when he comes in. I just don't see him being a you know a big impact player i think he's more of a role player than anything else i agree 100 percent. i hate to pick the same one as you but most surprising to me was donovan people's jones going to detroit like you said they got weapons on offense and they're playing really well this season for them to go out and acquire him i was a little bit like oh okay like that one kind of surprised me 
it's not a big splash move, but I think that the best move of all these is Chase Young to San Francisco. San Francisco on a three-game losing streak, and they bring in a guy like Chase Young who has so much potential if he can stay healthy. I don't know if you saw this, but I saw something that said Chase Young maybe doesn't always follow the script, and when there's a play, he, he might not run that same play that everybody else on the defense is running, and he might do something else to try to make a splash play, which I don't think is a great thing. Did you hear about that as well? And have you seen that happen maybe with the commanders? Yeah, I think what I've seen most with Chase, first and foremost, he is a great locker room guy. He is the biggest cheerleader. Um, he, he does a great job of hyping up the offense, keeping the defense hyped up. But when he's actually out on the field, it seems like he takes a lot of plays off uh, when he wants to turn it on. And when he wants to get pressure, you know, <clears throat> in big moments, he shows up. But I have definitely seen some of what you're referring to. I mean, I don't know the play calls, but it does seem like sometimes there's, you know, you just watch him on a play and you just think to yourself, what is he doing? So yeah, I can definitely see some of that. I think him being paired up with Nick Bosa is going to be great for him. Uh, you know, go back to 2018, 2019, I believe. They were both Ohio State teammates at the time. So they'll be reunited. And I have no doubt they'll, they will become one of, if not the most feared D-line units in the league. You know, they're, they're adding to what was already a very strong defensive unit. Yeah, I agree. I think that if Chase Young decides to take some plays off, like you said, that San Francisco is so good, they're so deep, that they're going to give him less and less snaps, and I don't think he's going to get as many opportunities. So I think if he comes in and works hard, it's going to be – a perfect marriage between the two of them. But if he doesn't, he's going to just find his way, not playing very much, and then have to test the free agent market and see what happens. But a lot of crazy moves, a lot of stuff happening, and a lot of stuff that didn't happen. I was hoping that Derrick Henry would come to the Ravens. People were talking about Devontae Adams getting traded. I mean, so many different things swirling. But at the end of it, a lot of these things did not end up happening. But do you think that the Chiefs should have traded for a wide receiver? They haven't had any production, it feels like, from their wide receivers. So many drops and so many just mishaps. Travis Kelsey, obviously amazing, but he can only do so much. Patrick Mahomes does his thing, but if they're not catching it, then what do you expect from him? Jerry Judy, Devontae Adams, Darnell Mooney were potential names thrown out there. Do you think that maybe they made a mistake not trading for one? Yeah, I think the Chiefs, in theory definitely could use another wide receiver definitely should try to go after one uh, whether it be in the draft or the offseason uh, when you're already paying Travis Kelsey they just signed Chris Jones to that big contract you got Patrick Mahomes you have all these big contracts that you have to fill it makes it tough to be able to bring in you know another strong receiver you know that's why Tyreek left in the first place was because they couldn't afford to pay him um Right now, the Chiefs are in the bottom 10 teams in the league when it comes to available cap space right now. So I think a lot of that comes down to just logistics and the finances of trying to, you know, acquire another player from another team, making the caps match up, uh, you know, not bringing somebody on that already has a huge salary. So, you know, I, I think they're, they were definitely in the market when it comes to somebody like Devontae Adams, unless he was just taken an absurdly low amount of money to be on a championship team which at this point kind of seems like what he needs to do to be happy because he is clearly not happy in vegas right now um 
you know, I think a lot of that just comes down to, you know, the financial side of that. But, but yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't at least try to go out. You know, I feel like DPJ would have made more sense going to the Chiefs than he would have the Lions. So, uh, especially just for a six-round pick, you know, something like that, I feel like could have gone through for them. But, but I, I guess they're just going to ride out with who they have for the rest of the season. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think everybody kind of expected more from Sky Moore and. Kadarius Tony comes in last season and plays really well, and we just haven't quite seen the same effect this year. And it seems like if Travis Kelsey isn't there, isn't open, then they don't have anybody else. I would find that I would find it hard for the Broncos to give Jerry Judy to to the Chiefs in their division. Got to play him a couple times a year, but Devontae Adams, like you said, massive contract. But maybe a couple guys that are kind of a second, third string guy they could have added. So maybe they felt like that wasn't worth it. That wasn't gonna move the needle very much i guess but i'm I'm glad they didn't that offense is very good they are they're still sitting at third in pass yards per game which is fantastic but i mean it just feels like they could use more which is crazy any other thoughts on the trade deadline all the stuff that happened maybe some of the stuff that didn't happen any other thoughts on that not really i feel like the nfl trade deadline is always not as climactic as people would have would like it to be however i feel like you know this year we did see some big splashes at the trade deadline so i feel like it was it was a good day it was exciting um definitely shaking things up for the second half of the season definitely it seems like there's some contenders that got some really good pieces the ravens still have to play the 49ers and the seahawks and both of them just acquired big name guys so i'm not super excited about that but it is what it is we heard a lot of stories about maybe derrick henry being traded maybe d hop being traded but this weekend will levis comes in and puts on a performance the titans seem like they're back all of a sudden will levis 238 yards four touchdowns three of them going to d hop it felt like he was in command it felt like they might not even need ryan Tannehill. it wasn't a perfect performance by any means but 130 passer rating it felt like overall he played pretty well especially for his first start i wasn't sure who would get the start if it would be will levis maybe malik willis but Will Levis gets the start, and what a performance that was. I mean, do you think that this performance will be able to continue? And also, do you think this performance maybe saved Derrick Henry and Diop from potentially being traded? Yeah, if he can continue these performances, I definitely think that he just saved Diop and Derrick Henry. You know, the win came from a Falcons unit who is, you know, definitely the strength of their team is the offense um so you know we'll see how he fares against the Steelers this week um they've got the Jags in a few weeks for the most part the rest of their season shouldn't be anything too crazy they have to play the Dolphins Panthers Seahawks will be a challenge but you know I I think coming off of this win and that type of performance in his first NFL game uh, you you got to ride it and see where it goes. Uh, I was shocked to see him put up those type of numbers. I mean, if you looked at him at a, as a prospect coming out of Kentucky, you always knew he was a, you know, he had a cannon of an arm. Um, accuracy it was always pretty good. Um, you just didn't know whether it was all going to translate. Uh, but, you know, so far through one game, it, it looks great. So I think going forward, uh, they should definitely continue to ride with him. D-Hop should be happy. He got three touchdowns. It's almost like Will Levis just looked at the depth chart, said, oh, I have D-Hop on my team. 
all right, bet. I'm just going to throw it to him. <laughs> and then look what happens. When you have one of the top receivers in the league, it's not hard to put up numbers. You just got to throw it up to him. NFL nowadays is a lot of 50-50 balls. You just have to trust your guys to go up and make a play. Will Levis did that, and you know it turned out great for them. So hope to see more of that going forward for them. Also, the Oilers uniforms, beautiful. Some of the best uniforms in the NFL. Yeah, that they're probably my favorite throwback uniform in the entire NFL. I wish the Ravens had a throwback uniform, but we don't even have one, which is disappointing. I understand they haven't been a franchise for very long, but they're so clean looking. The light blue, the helmets, the stripes. I mean, my my favorite throwback in the entire NFL. I don't think that D-Hop would have been traded before the deadline. Everybody had a chance to go out and get him this summer and the spring if they wanted to. Nobody bit, and Titans ended up signing him to a pretty big deal, but this weekend, he gets his first touchdown of the season, and he ends up getting three of them, which is crazy. He has his longest catch of the entire season, so it feels like the chemistry between Will Levis and D-Hop is really good. D-Hop doesn't need a lot of separation. He's going to go up and get it nine times out of ten, it feels like. And Derrick Henry has been on and off this season, and I was kind of hoping that he would get traded to the Ravens. I know I've said it a million times, it feels like, but him and Lamar in the same backfield would be insane. But if Will Levis continues this performance, I mean – you kind of got to expect the Titans to slip into a wild card spot. Who knows if he'll be able to keep this up, and who knows if when Ryan Tannehill gets back healthy, if he will be the starter. I believe that they play on Thursday night, and Will Levis will be the starter. So it'll be fun to watch him in prime time and see how he performs under the lights, knowing everybody's watching. Will he be able to replicate this performance? Tough to say, but a lot of positives, I think, coming for the Titans after they draft Malik Willis. Not really sure what you got from him. Haven't seen him play a whole lot. Then you go and draft Will Levis, which seems so surprising after just taking Malik. So it looks like it's maybe paid off for them taking Will Levis here. So it'll be interesting to see. And you mentioned the Falcons, so I have to segue in here. The Falcons officially benching Desmond Ritter. Will be starting Taylor Heineke at QB this week. Massive change for the Falcons after they've been behind Ritter this entire season. They've said that they liked him. They want to stick with him. He's their guy. Now they bring in ex-commander. I think this guy's really good. He seems to get the team to rally behind him because he's not afraid to take a hit. He's not afraid to put his shoulder in to get an extra couple yards. You've seen him up close and personal as a commander's fan. What do you think about this? Taylor's a dog. I am excited <laughs> for him to be able to have another chance to start for a team, especially the Falcons, who... I mean, you have Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson. What more do you need as a quarterback? Probably a little bit better of an offensive line, but that's okay because Taylor likes to get out of the pocket. He likes to make plays. He's a gunslinger. He's a playmaker. He can be a bit reckless, but that will take you a lot further than Desmond Ritter, who seems to just like checking the ball down or just throwing it straight to the defense. Uh, I'm surprised. I want to say I'm surprised it took the Falcons this long to, you know, bench Ritter. I, I really hadn't seen it at all throughout the course of the season. I think he had a few solid games, but for the most part, he seems to, you know, really just be more of a game manager than anything else. Taylor Heineke will be a very fresh breath of air for the Falcons and all their fans. Uh, he will come out and try to make plays, and he will go out there and win you football games. He might lose you a football game or two, but he will win you more games than he loses. No, I agree. I think it'll be a good change. And like you said, they got so many weapons. And then at running back, Tyler Algier is back there too. Cordero Patterson, which we haven't heard anything about him this entire season, it feels like. 
So if he wants to go out and, you know, see what he can do, be a little, you know, throw up a couple 50-50 balls, not be reckless, I guess, but, you know, just try to create some opportunities. I think that there's a lot of potential here. I, I kind of like the move, so it'll be exciting to see what happens. Speaking about quarterbacks, is Joe Burrow and the Bengals all the way back? Joe Burrow has played really well the last couple of weeks. They've won three in a row. They beat the 49ers handily. I feel like they're kind of on a run, and they're fourth in the division, which is crazy, but it seems like they are just picking up some steam, and you know this is what they do. They start off the season slow. Now they're getting into it. Are you are you thinking that Joe Burrow and the Bengals are officially back at this point? They're all the way back. I don't know why we do this every year. It starts off the the Bengals are always slow to start. Joe's got to wake up, stretch out along with the rest of the team too. Can't put it all on him. But you also have to remember Burrow was playing through I believe it was a calf strain for several weeks throughout the first part of this season. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow He's, you know, not a scrambler by any means, but but he's very mobile in the pocket. Um, so having that calf strain, you know, really limiting his mobility is obviously going to affect the team, affect their performance. Um, but he seems to have made a full recovery now. The Bengals are all the way back. Uh, you come off of a win against this, uh, you know, a good Seahawks team and a very impressive Niners team. Granted, they're on, you know, the opposite end of, that spectrum being on a three-game losing streak. Um, but, you know, that's more so about their offense and less their defense. 49ers still have a great defense. Uh, they were scoring at will, doing it both on the ground with Mixon and through the air. Uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, I would say, uh, it's safe to say that they're back. Yeah, I agree. I think the mobile thing is massive against the Cardinals and the Seahawks combined. He had less than 10 rushing yards, which he's not a big rusher. Like you said, he's, he doesn't normally get out and scramble that much. But against the 49ers, he went for 43 yards, which seems massive for a guy like that. And it feels like he's 100% healthy. He's throwing the ball really well. Threw for three touchdowns against the 49ers, who are supposed to have one of the best defenses in the league. So as a Ravens fan, I'm kind of like, not again, because it just feels like they're going to get hot and they're going to work their way into – being in contention in the last couple of weeks to win the division, which is not what you hope for, but there you have it. 49ers dropped three in a row. They got a lot of injuries. Brock Purdy's been injured. Trent Williams has been injured. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. It feels like a massive list. With dropping three in a row, are you worried about the 49ers at this point? Five and three is what they're at. I'm not sure if I'm super worried about them. Uh, I It's really all going to depend on if you know they do have some key injuries right now you know christian's been working through an injury they got debo that's been out um you can always count on him being out for a few games this season unfortunately i, I think you know brock purdy without his weapons we're, we're we're seeing what he is uh so you know hopefully he gets his weapons back and fully healthy and we can see them you know start to put some more tallies in the win column again um, but I think really only time will tell. I'm, re I'm really not sure what to make of this 49ers team at the moment. Yeah, I feel like it's really hard to tell because they started off so hot, and then three losses in a row seems like a lot. And you look at their schedule for the rest of the season. They still have the Jags, who are playing really well, the Seahawks, the Eagles, the Seahawks again. They play the Ravens. They got the Commanders second to last week of the season, and the Rams. So 
they have some tough opponents coming up, so they're really going to need to play well. They don't have any walk-in-the-park, easy, give-me games. They do play the Cardinals, which should be a win for them, but it seems like they have a, a steep hill a steep hill to climb. Hopefully these guys can get back healthy because obviously it's a completely different team when these guys are not playing. And talking about how tough it might be to get into the playoffs, I just wanted to ask you, the commanders are sitting at three and five. I know that sold off a couple pieces, but how do you feel about the team at this point in the season? We're basically halfway through it. And any chance that maybe they squeak into the playoffs? I know it's a tough division. I'm talking maybe a wild card, seventh seed. What do you think? Looking at our schedule for the rest of the year, uh, we got the Patriots coming up this week at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. We've got the Seahawks, Cowboys, Dolphins, Jets, Niners, Cowboys again. Uh, not looking great, I'll be honest with you. Really uh, not super optimistic about the remainder of the season. Um, super optimistic going into the offseason, um, but I, I think with the moves that we've made, we've pretty much said that you know we're not necessarily going after very more wins for the rest of this year so wild card spot don't really see it happening uh unless the giants just really take a turn for the worse we're both one and three in the division right now so i think it'll probably come down to the next time we meet the giants uh that is in just a few weeks that's three weeks from now uh so i think that'll really determine whether you know Who's, that'll be the fight for last place. Well, I expect the Giants to be in last place. You're sitting there with three wins. There's two other teams with three wins, two teams with four wins, those two teams being the Vikings and the Saints. So I don't know. I mean, if you get on a run here, Sam Howell, if he can play those fantastic games and the defense can help him out a little bit, maybe you stack a couple wins, but we will see. I think that it's good to look towards the future. It looks like a lot of good things to come, hopefully. I mean, the NFC feels pretty wide open outside of when you look at like the Eagles and the 49ers, maybe it seems like such a mess. Falcons four wins, but feels like they're not really playing that good. And the Cowboys, I feel like you never really know what to expect. Agreed. The Cowboys will always find a way to choke it. They sure will, especially as soon as they get into the playoffs. Speaking about another playoff team, let's bring it to the Ravens. We haven't talked much about them yet. The Ravens do beat the Cardinals last weekend by one score. They were up by three scores at one point. They had the onside kick that went to Nelson Aguilar, hit off like his shin or something. He didn't catch it. Cardinals get the ball back. They take it down. They score to get it within one score. I believe it was a field goal there. And then another onside kick. It does come back to Nelson. He catches it this time. But Ravens did give up a massive lead at the end of the game. Do you have a concern with the Ravens' defense after this performance? I'm not overly concerned about the Ravens' defense right now. I mean, you still have some really strong pieces. You have Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen. You brought Clowney in over the offseason. Kyle Hamilton is still developing. You still have Marlon Humphrey, uh, Rocky Asin. So you have some solid pieces to work around. I think there's definitely a lot of room for improvement, but I think that this is a defense that's strong enough to be able to get you into the playoffs um how far they can take you uh is uh you know really up to them and how they're playing at the time also adafe away so i you have some solid pieces on the, the defense hopefully something they can just go in make a few a, a adjustments a few changes to uh whether it's some of the play calls or some of the positioning for some of these individual pieces but 
Um, I, I think that this is a solid enough defense where they shouldn't necessarily be holding you back. What are your thoughts on it? No, I agree 100%. I mean, the Ravens' offense luckily built up a pretty big second-half lead, which is something we're not used to. And the Ravens' defense collapsing in the fourth quarter is something that we kind of are used to, and normally it's an even tighter game. So I wasn't super nervous, but you mentioned some of those names, and Jadavion Clowney has played so well this year, but he's kind of gotten the nickname Mr. Almost. And I feel like you would be a good person to talk about this. A Gamecocks fan, you watched him all throughout college. Has he been the type of guy that normally whiffs on sacks? Like, we'll see him with two hands around the quarterback. The quarterback gets out. Like, he could, like, not, I'm not even exaggerating. He could be in the double digit mark at this point with the amount of sacks that he almost had. So many times he, he's so close. Has, has he always been like this? He, he's always been, for a D lineman, way too much of an arm tackler. Instead of really getting, you know, getting body to body contact and wrapping up the person on offense, he, you know, he likes to kind of jump and just wrap wrap his arms around him. He needs to use a little bit more force to try to bring them down. Uh, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the, you know, almost sacks, almost TFLs, uh, you know, things like that because he's he's not the greatest at really throwing his entire body weight on somebody. Um, you know, at, at this point in his career, being in the league for, I want to say, 10 seasons, close to 10 seasons now, you know, that's probably not anything that's going to change. However, still definitely serves a purpose, just those QB pressures, um, you know, really just kind of unsettling the quarterback, getting the offense out of rhythm. I think definitely still serves its purpose. However, obviously, you would like to see that translate into more sacks. Yeah, I mean... You saying that makes perfect sense because me picturing the plays in my mind, like that's literally what I'm picturing. It's all arms. He's not like throwing his shoulder in, throwing his body in. So that makes perfect sense. Hopefully the Ravens defense will continue to improve as the season goes along because they've been, they've played really well this season. And hopefully with that will come more sacks for him as well. I assume that if that's the case, he will price himself out of Baltimore next year and get a contract with somebody else. The Ravens have so many guys that, they're going to need to resign this offseason. Patrick Queen being one of them that you listed that I don't know that we're going to have enough money to. It'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. And finally, we're basically halfway through the season, not an official halfway point because of the 17-game schedule. But I would love to hear your Super Bowl prediction. As we are eight weeks in, some teams have started off real good and have faltered the last couple of weeks like the 49ers. Other teams have just continued to get better as the season goes on. Right now, if you had to pick who would be in the Super Bowl and who wins. That's a tough one. I feel like this season, more than any over the last few years, the the field is really pretty wide open. Uh, the Chiefs have not looked nearly as strong um, this season as they have in years past, uh, especially now that Taylor is back on the Ares tour. We, we don't know what t uh, Travis Kelsey's production is going to look like for the rest of the season. So you factor that in mind, I, I think, this might be a this might be a year where the Chiefs get knocked out a little early. So I'm thinking from the AFC, the Dolphins might be representing. Uh, I think the Jaguars could also be a dark horse along with the Ravens. Uh, from what I've seen from the Bills, uh, I'm not sure. It, it really just depends if they want to go on that run at the end of the year, like we've seen in years past. I think they definitely have a good shot too. But I think I'm going to choose the Miami Dolphins to represent the AFC. On the NFC side, I, you know. Eagles look strong, uh, but again, I think that they've had to try to figure some things out. 
on offense, they're not looking nearly as in tune or in rhythm as they have, uh, especially last year. The Lions, on the other hand, I feel like are looking great. You know, not a whole lot of playoff experience for that franchise, so I feel like that may not bode well for them. Um, but I could see them making a deep run into the playoffs, especially after taking that tough loss. Uh, you know, I think that was really a wake-up call for them, kind of snap them back to reality. And, it, you know, hey, you got to go out and play these teams hard every single week. It's the NFL. You never know what can happen. Um, I think with all that being said, I don't know if the Lions are going to be able to get all the way there. Um, so I'm going to choose the Eagles to represent the NFC. And I simply cannot go with a divisional rival to win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to have to go with Tua, Mike McDaniels, and the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl this year. How about you? I respect that, not being able to pick a division opponent to win the Super Bowl. I want to go with the Ravens. I think that they could be a dark horse. I think the Bills are starting to heat up and they'll be really good. But like you said, I kind of have my reservations about how far the Chiefs might be able to go. And I'm glad that you brought up Taylor Swift because I'd like to get your quick opinion on that. But I'm going to go 49ers. I think that they're able to turn it around and get this thing going. They face a lot of adversity early, which I think will be a good thing for them. So I'm going to go 49ers, Ravens, repeat of the 2012 Super Bowl. And just like that, the Ravens come out on top. That's my prediction. Real quick, though, what do you think about all the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift stuff that is just swirling around? I mean, I think it's great publicity for the NFL as a whole. I mean, um, congrats to Travis for bagging a billionaire. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of it's been a little overdone. I understand from the NFL standpoint, you're reaching a new audience that before had no interest in the NFL at all. So you got to milk it a little bit. I think all the cutaways to her, you know, in between plays and stuff, her up in the in the booth celebrating and everything. It, it was cute for the first game or two, and then it started to get a little old, but we don't have to worry about that now for the rest of the season. I do think the Travis Kelsey numbers compared to when she is at the game and when she's not at the game is pretty funny. You got you to you put on for your girlfriend being there. I, I don't know how far the Chiefs are going to go this year. I think the, uh, the whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing has been a bit of a distraction. Patrick, with a lack of weapons, isn't looking as good. We've already seen Travis go down with an injury already this year, so not super, uh, you know, confident in their in their future making a deep playoff run this year. What, what do you think about Taylor and Travis? Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of on the same page. At first, it's kind of cool, but then they show her like ten times a game, and we don't really want to see that as football fans. Maybe Swifties do. But at the same time, I feel like she probably doesn't want to be on TV that many times. She's just going there to watch the game, support her boyfriend, maybe, whatever you want to call it. And I doubt that she wants to be on TV that many times. I think it gets talked about a lot, but it does bring a new audience in, which is good. I feel like the Chiefs have always had kind of a distraction around their team, whether that's Jackson Mahomes, whether that's Juju Smith when he was doing his TikToks. Like, they've always had some different things that, kind of take away from what the main stuff is. But the stats are really funny to see. Like you said, like he plays, he goes for like double the amount of yards when she's there. I feel like they've got to be undefeated when she's at games too. I, I don't know for sure, but what are they? Six and two, I believe something along those lines. And I don't, I know one mm -hmm. loss came early. One just came. So I'm starting to think that they might be undefeated while she's there. So who knows, a couple more bad games, and she's going to need to take off from the Harris Tour and come support Travis. Agreed.
Agreed. Who would have thought? I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Any final thoughts before we send it off? No, man. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you giving your insight, especially as a Commanders fan with so much Commanders stuff happening. Always welcome on. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Sofa Sports Podcast. Until next time.